0: And if you have your bibles this morning if you could turn to or click on that Click on 2 Timothy 2:15 starting uh, part two of the um, Standing on a Firm Foundation with Scripture and Bible reading. And, um, you know, like I said, we've, we've talked about starting a healthy habits in our life, but uh, one of the really good healthy habits you can have is reading your Bible. Wouldn't you agree, amen? Second um, 2 Timothy 2.15 Your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word word of truth. And uh, we can talk about love all day in the church, and we love each other this or that. But if you don't have truth, love is pretty sloppy, isn't it? And uh, I can love you, but if, if we're not being guided into truth of the Spirit of God and the doctrine of the Word of God, then we're going to be pretty sloppy lovers, if that, if I can say it that way. We're going to be pretty sloppy and the way in which we love, and how we love, because there is nothing to put to it. And so not being able to handle the word of truth is something that all of us can do. Turn to someone and say, you can do it. Handling the word of truth is a a beautiful thing. I think for so long, like I talked about last week, is we think, well, only the brilliant theologians can handle the word of God, or the pastor, or that person who's been a believer for a, a long, long time. Uh, there's no doubt to have maturity is a great thing and to have, you know, the Bible says, let there not be many teachers among you, because guess what? The teachers are going to be in, they're going to be judged a little differently. Because if you're teaching and you're cross teaching, then you're going to get, get a whooping. Turn to somebody and say, I don't want a whooping. <laughs> so we need to know the word of God. And especially needing to know the word of God in these last days in which we live, where the Bible says in Second Peter where be careful that you have every window of doctrine thrown your way, that you know how to rightly divide the word of truth, that you know how to combat it, and you know when you hear a false teaching and you hear something. Have you ever heard a pre- heard a preacher or someone say something and you go, that doesn't sound right? Mm-hmm. And that's good because that's discernment, but you also are learning the word of God and you're starting to take it on, you're starting to become a part of it, you're starting to enjoy it. Uh, But that word eager is an interesting word. Um, He he uses terms like eager and work there. It takes work, folks. It takes work to read the Word of God. It takes work to uh, adapt your life and your lifestyle to that and change that. And I encourage you from now on out, you know, especially on Sundays, bring your Bible to church on Sunday if you don't normally do that. I challenge you when it comes to your Bibles to bring your Bibles to work. You say, oh my gosh, well what do I do? Bring your devotions to work. Do something to where it's always with you. Maybe have it in the glove compartment of your vehicle. Put it places to where you always are. Because I can't tell you how many times throughout my experience with the Lord is, He's drawn me aside I'm like, I've got to read that verse of Scripture to remember what that was. Um, and so it's a really great thing. Um, number one, eager to study. He starts out by saying, study to show yourself approved, a workman. We don't want to be lazy about the Word of God. And this won't get people running up and down the aisles today, but it will get people really grounded so when life hits you, you will be really ready for when life hits you. I've seen people who have been hit by life, and their response has been, To the violent extremes of, I hate God, I hate life, I'm never coming back to church, and this is stupid. (laughs) Right? But then we've seen also people who have been hit by the circumstances of life that have been completely grounded in the word of God and grounded in the word of Christ. It still hurts, it's still painful, but we're not blaming God for every problem in our life. And that's the big difference. And many of us, we go through problems in life, and we wag our fingers at God, and we're not grounded at the Word of God, and we're not desperate for the Word of God, and so we grab for straws. And I don't want us to be a church, a body of believers that is just grabbing at straws when life hits us. Eager to study. Folks, one of the things you're going to have to do when it comes to being eager to study is understanding the type of person that you want to become. Again, I've said this before, I'm under the assumption that we're all here because we all want to learn and we all want to grow. And we come to church because we're not quite the person we want to be, but we're on that road, aren't we? Turn to someone over say, you're on that road. We open our Bibles today because we want to have teaching and we want to get those things in us. So we're starting with the end in mind saying, I want to be that type of person. Paul had a very profound, provocative statement. He said, follow me. As I follow Christ. What needs to happen for all of us is we need to be the type of people that we can say, as we're walking with the Lord, as we're studying Scripture, we can say the person next to us or behind us, hey, follow me as I follow the Lord. Isn't that pretty intimidating though? Because that means that we're going to have to live our lives according to the Bible, aren't we? Not the philosophies of man, not the opinions of the day, but we're actually going to have to start taking God at His Word and using His Word for our life. Start with the end in mind. No matter where you are in your Christian faith, we're all on the same page, and it's this page, folks Are you ready for this? I want to be more like Christ. That's it. We lead here today, and I hope you leave here today with studying the Word of God, not so that you can start piling things on more of your to-do list. How many know-to-do lists they get pretty big, don't they? We have apps now that can control your to-do list and things you can check off and organizing your things. I don't want us to leave here with that kind of thing where we go, oh man, I've got to heap another thing on there. No, this is not you somehow making yourself a better version of you. This is allowing Christ to live in and through you. No matter where you are in your Christian faith, we're all on the same page. We want to be more like Christ. And the only way to get there, folks, is not by osmosis. You can't put the Bible on your head. And you can't pray, make me more like you, Jesus. Do you know how you're going to become more like Jesus? Read His Word. You you, you do the things Jesus said. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. If we don't know the commands of God, how can we love God, right? We love God by our devotion. We love God by our understanding of the Word of God. We basically love God in the parameters and the boundaries that Scripture guides for us. So we become, in the simplicity of Scripture, a very... Beautiful translation of God. We're the eyes, we're the ears if you will of Jesus on this world. We become like Christ. Augustine wrote this. The Bible is shallow enough for a child not to drown yet deep enough for an elephant to swim in. You know right now Anne is down there teaching these kids the exact same thing we're learning today at their level. Scripture is shallow enough for a child to get into but also deep enough For an elephant to swim. Beautiful thing. The kids right now are learning at their level, the very concepts of Christ, and not just the concepts, I hate to say it like that, the very person of Jesus, they're the living and breathing Word of God. They are becoming eager students of the Word of God, and all of us need to be eager again. Start today with a challenge to yourself. I'm going to give you a couple challenges real quick on studying Scripture. Number one, start out your day by saying this. I will read a verse of Scripture. Why don't we all say that together? I I will read a verse of Scripture. Pretty simple, isn't it? You start your day out, wherever you are, if you're in a hurry... You know it's kind of funny with you know starting and ending your day if you're in a hurry, there are times I'm in a hurry, and I use that Bible app or whatever, and it's got that verse of the day already for me. I don't even have to so much as think, do I? How many of you have had that Bible app and you got your verse of the day? Some of you had it already today. It's a neat thing. You open that up and it's right there. And you can go forward in that scripture. You can say, I'm gonna read the whole chapter right now. And for us not having fun reading people we can have them read it to us. No, and it's funny, but it's true, because some of us are challenged with the concept of reading. I read because I have to. That will always be me. I read because I have to, folks. I want us to get practical about Scripture once again. Now, I love Scripture. I love it. Don't, Don't mistake that. What I'm saying, though, is going through this, folks... This can be intimidating when you stare at this whole thing. But if you say today that I'm going to read a verse of Scripture, you open it up and you allow the Holy Spirit in that moment to say, I'm going to read some Scripture. Folks, we all read our news. I know that. We all read the headlines, and we're already complaining about life, aren't we? Oh, did you hear that? Did you hear this? I want us to understand that the Bible, when it says, is... Good news. Don't you want some good news today? Don't you want some good news on Monday? Monday's coming, folks, I hate to tell you. Monday's coming with a whole lot of monsters. And you've got to be ready for those monsters. I want to be ready for those monsters. And if you're not making the decision in your life and in your mind to say, I'm going to read the Word of God, then don't ever expect... Yourself to change. You will always be the bump on the log blaming everyone else for your problems. (laughs) If you don't let the Word of God into your heart and say, I'm going to make a conscious decision to read some Scripture today, I'm not asking for you to read an hour tomorrow. I'm not. I'm asking for you in that moment in time to allow that moment, that Scripture, to speak directly to you. If you give God time, He will speak. Number two, start this challenge. I will allow it to challenge and change my heart. When you read your Bible, if you leave here today, you're on break, wherever you are, you pick up the Bible... By the way, if you've not really ever jumped into diving into your Bible, there's one book I always tell people to start it in. It's one of my favorite books. It's the book of John. I challenge you to start with the book of John. Read there. It's a love letter about who Jesus is, his character, his nature. Start in the book of John by saying, I'm going to read the book of John. Let me give you a couple other little practical hints. Do you know Proverbs? They have 31 Proverbs, right? Usually a month has 31 days. Read a proverb a day. Proverb a day keeps the devil away. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, or dumbness away. But uh, it's the Book of Wisdom. Here's the interesting thing, though, about the Bible alone. Without the voice of the Holy Spirit, the Bible reading alone won't necessarily change you. Like, wait, Pastor, you just got done telling me to read a verse of Scripture every day. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul, the most read man of the Bible, of the Torah, of Scripture, was killing Christians and felt that a mission from him to continue to do the work of God while he was reading Scripture. Think about that for a moment. Have you ever noticed when you read, and, and if you don't allow those things to happen, you can become an actual really cold person? Tullian Shabdin wrote this, I know many Bible scholars and theologians who have devoted their entire adult lives to the academic study of God, and who possess more factual knowledge about God than most people, and yet their knowledge of God is cold and unfeeling. To them, God is a philosophical idea or proposition more than a living relational being. As John Piper says, the devil himself thinks more true thoughts about God in one day than a saint does in a lifetime. And God is not honored by it. The problem with the devil is not his theology, but his desires. See, you can have perfect theology, and you can have perfect academics when it comes to Scripture, and you can have perfect doctrine, and yet completely miss it. Because the Scripture is not changing your heart. You can be well read, and you can read the Bible through once a year for every year of your life, and still be the same person. Not changed, not challenged, not convicted, not becoming more forgiving or more loving. In fact, what can start to happen is you can become more emboldened and you can become more cross and you can become more angry by it. This Jesus is not academics. This Jesus is not philosophy. This Jesus is not a set of principles. Jesus Christ is living and He's active and He lives in you if you're a believer today. I fell in love with Jesus. And so as Jesus changes us, we come to Scripture and we don't allow Scripture to just second what I already know. God, show me in Your Word if I am steering off. Show me where I've become off. Show me where I'm not hitting the mark. God, show me. Don't ever come to Scripture so you can just memorize another Bible fact. This was never meant to be Bible facts for you. Never, never forget TD Jakes, one of my favorite preachers of all time. People talking about how anointed they are and what they've done with the Bible and this and that. He said, "Man, there's a little old lady making chicken in the kitchen. That's twice as anointed as you are, brother." Let's not forget that it's not all of our accolades. And I appreciate this, my, my children there and the, my littles are in Awanas, and they get to memorize scripture and things like that and they get their little badges and it's a beautiful thing because once they memorize so many scriptures they get a, a mark, a, you're doing great and I think sometimes us as adults we want somebody to give us a little badge and say, well I memorized these for I'm like, great, that's wonderful, but is it changing you? I challenge you the challenge is to read Scripture, but the challenge that goes along with it and segues and dovetails right into it is if the Scripture is not changing and challenging me, then there's no growth. And we might as well just memorize the begats and the, where Jesus was born and all that and have it all be fun fact day here at church. Don't ever forget, as John Piper says, the devil himself thinks more true thoughts about God in one day than a saint does in a lifetime, and God is not honored by it. He knows Scripture, folks. Start today to challenge yourself on those things. Knowing the right stuff, folks, and this is the hard part when it comes to our devotion to God. Knowing the right stuff doesn't automatically translate to doing the right thing. How many of you know a lot of people who know a lot of right stuff, but they're not doing the right thing? The, knowing the right stuff doesn't mean that you're going to do the right thing. I don't know if you know any Christians that have sinned around you. You know, Has anybody sinned around here this last week? Okay, good, four or five of us. So we know, we know, don't we? We know. Our conscience tells us we sin. We didn't do the right thing, though. And what Scripture does, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. So what happens is when we start to hide Scripture coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit speaking to us to lead and to guide us and to counsel us and to convict us, then all that starts to happen and it breathes life into us and we say, oh, and we get back to those first works and we bring around redemption to that story. See, the tricky part is a changed heart. That's the tricky part with this whole eager stuff. Be eager to read the Word of God. Be a student of it, but be eager to have a changed heart. Turn real quick with holding your thumb on that scripture to Psalm 51, and right in the middle of your Bible is Psalm 51. David had fallen into sin. This is a man after God's own heart. Saw a girl, liked what was going on. I like her, called her over, they had their thing, had a kid. Now he's got to figure the mess out. How many are you trying to figure your mess out without the Lord? You get in some serious trouble. Figure the mess out, okay. Let's deal with that. Then he goes and sends her husband off to war. Says, put him on the front lines. Killed him. So now not only has he committed adultery, now he's a guy, And then he covers it up. And this is a man or God's own heart. New scripture. He's a sitting king. And in this chapter right here, he lets it all on the table after he's been called out by the prophet. And he says in Psalm 51 verse 10, Create in me a pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. See, the tricky part, folks, is a changed heart. Create in me a clean heart. Second thing I want us to understand is once we get into our scripture, once we get into the Bible you know, we we start to get knowledge. And knowledge is great, but the Bible also says this, knowledge puffs up. You know, I'm not, I, I, I hate what ends up happening when you get into a situation where you start to know too much. You know too much and it's too good for you and you've got it all figured out. And so when you're talking to someone, they're just like, you know, sometimes it's kind of like talking to the computer programmer on their phone. They're like, okay, click this button. Have you ever been there to try to get a troubleshoot something? And they think you know what you're talking about. And I always preface it like this. Listen, man, I know nothing, and I need you to talk to me like a kid again and tell me what button to click, and, and we'll get there. And so, But they're in a hurry, and so what ends up happening with us is we have knowledge, and we start to just assume everybody knows what we're talking about. And we go to places, and we do this in, in church, and we just think, well, everybody just should know. You know, it's beautiful in America that even though we have the gospel here and we're free to preach, there is a whole lot of people that don't know Scripture and don't know Christ, and it's a great opportunity for us to become like a child once again, and to step foot into those people and raise them up, but we've got to be eager to jump in with that knowledge. Zeal without knowledge is not good, right? But knowledge without zeal is pretty boring. Turn in your Bibles to the Scripture. Eager And Greek means to exert oneself, make every effort, give diligence, make haste, be zealous, strain every nerve. When you get the Bible in you, it will cause you to step out and be eager to get involved with what God is calling you to be and to do. As you grow in the Lord and as you mature in the Lord, it's not good enough for you to sit and just get a bunch of Scripture in you. You must get it out. You know what's great is when you start to use Scripture for people that are having problems. You know, there are promises that we get into, and the Bible says, forget not all my benefits. All the Scriptures are there for us to to grab after, after we know those promises. You know, when you start to get involved with people's lives and actually give them Scripture and speak Scripture over them and bless them in the name of Jesus, it's a powerful thing because you're eager to jump in. One thing I want you to understand this Bible and how powerful it is, is every person that jumps into it gets changed in a miraculous way and they do crazy things for Jesus. God is looking for partners. As you read this book, as you let the Spirit change you, He will call you upwards to be doing amazing tasks. C.S. Lewis wrote this. He seems to do nothing of Himself which He can possibly delegate to His creatures. He commands us to do slowly and... Uh, blunderingly, what he could do perfectly and in the twinkling of an eye. Creation seems to be delegation through and through. You know, isn't it crazy how the Lord delegates his the responsibilities to you and me? You know, you think about church and the concept of church and growing and maturing. Wouldn't it just be easier if Jesus just came and did it all? But he gives us the responsibility to be the body of Christ, to be his hands, his feet. What will make you different than this book? What will make you think differently about the situations you're facing? How will you act differently? Will you be the person that you thought you would never be? You know, it's crazy too when people come to Christ and they start to change and God starts to call them to crazy things. You know how the people around those people, when they're going through those changes, start to scratch their head and say, oh, I can't, well, who is, you know, because they're seeing the old person. See, when you're around people you're around with all the time, you never, you never give them the benefit of the doubt, do you? You give everyone else the benefit of the doubt. When you're around people and you see their imperfections, but watch as they start to grow, and as they start to do things a little differently, and differently and respond a little differently, that's the metamorphosis that that person's going through by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. Amen. But the problem is for all of us, is when we're around people that we know, we never give them the opportunity to advance. It's usually us kind of holding back them, and we see them in a past light. Folks, don't be the person that always sees somebody in the past. You and I have to be eager to see people in the future. That's how come when we see people maybe have been involved with sin or problems or setbacks, we're always the first to just go. I can't believe they did. Oh, that person. Oh, look. Oh, look at them. Ooh. Everyone turns around and goes, ooh! Whoa. That's what we do because that's all we know. And when we become eager to jump in and to work, it's an amazing thing that takes place because God says He wants us to be His hand and His feet. Billy Graham says this We are the Bible the world is reading, we are the creeds the world is needing, we are the sermons. The world is heating. Man, all of us, we're the Bible. You're the walking Bible right now to someone at work. You know that? You say, man, that's pretty crazy. Yes, you are. If you call yourself a believer today in Jesus Christ, you are a walking Bible. Because that unbeliever may never open a word of Scripture, they may never care. But you've got to be the one that cares. And you've got to be the one that's going to be the light in the darkness. Forget about that person's problems. Forget about technique, forget about all that, and just live this thing out. And be a living Bible to someone. And be Jesus Christ with with skin on God wants you to be his hands and feet. John Eldridge wrote this. And this is really hard for us because when we start to go into scripture, it's pretty hard to see ourselves as walking Bibles, doesn't it? We see our problems, we see our sins and our setbacks, and so we can never see ourselves in the future the way God sees us. I love what John Eldridge writes about us and our position in Christ. He says, you're not the orphan child sitting out in the hall hoping your busy father will see one of your notes you pushed under his door. You're not the homeless beggar standing in the corner hoping God will pass by and hand you a couple of bucks. You are not a refugee standing in line at the embassy hoping an ambassador will, heal will hear your request. Not even a faithful servant humbly trying to do your best. Now let me ask you this today as you read scripture and as the scripture is talking about that mirror and you becoming more and more like Christ and you changing from glory to glory. Do you see yourself as a beggar right now? Do you see yourself as, I'm just a humble servant and I'm hoping somehow God will bless my life. Or do you call yourself a friend, a son, a daughter? Because it will change how you read this story. And what you will start to do is, you, when you start to read Scripture, will start to insert yourself in the stories of this book. When you see David going after Goliath, you're going to have to start visualizing yourself as David going after Goliath. When you see Mary praying, Be it unto me, O Lord, you need to see yourself as Mary saying, Lord, whatever you're calling me to, Lord, no matter I don't understand the plan. Be it unto me. When you see Samson, and he's putting one hand on one tower and one hand on the next, you need to see yourself as Samson, fully restored and coming alive, and watching all the enemies of God come down. You need to see yourself that way. And your Bible will become something other than a textbook or another plan or another thing to do. It will become alive, and it will forever Burning your soul. Eager to get involved to work. Becoming eager is becoming what He says you are in Scripture. You know, have you guys ever heard of these things? You will never amount to anything. Have you ever heard, maybe you've said it to yourself, you're damaged goods. How about this? You're a disappointment to everyone. Maybe you said this to yourself about love. People always let you down, so don't open yourself to them. See, we can read Scripture all day. We can pound it. I can throw it. We can do this and woo and give you a verse of Scripture. But until this dialogue in your life happens, in fact, Rick Lawrence calls these statements destructive narratives. You have a narrative in your soul right now. And no, Moses himself walking down the middle of this aisle with his old sandals on won't change a thing in your life because you have a destructive narrative. you got a little narrative that when you read Scripture or when somebody says anything good, you know it's hard for sometimes people to take a compliment, isn't it? Because we've had a constructive or a destructive narrative and we need to be constructive in our life and as we become eager to work, when we see problems arise, Man, we're not part of the problem. We're problem problem solvers for that. We become very inventive and we become uh, thinking outside the box and we become very constructive as opposed to deconstructing. And I want you to say this with me. When you're reading scripture this week, I want you to say this, and we're all going to say this out loud to practice it. Last week you said, we closed our eyes and we said, Lord, I love you. This week I want you to say, I am a child of the King. Close your eyes with me real quick and whisper that with me. I am a child of the king. Doesn't that feel good? I am a child of the king. Now we're not going to whisper it. We're actually going to say it a little louder. Are you ready for me? One, two, three. I am a child of the king. We're going to do it one more time. And we're going to do it really loud. Think of the devil right now giving you destructive thoughts. Think about the destructive thoughts Mindset that we get in our head that we feel like we'll never break through the barrier. You think about all the setbacks you had. You think about all the sin and all the things that have been put on you. Maybe you put on yourself because of circumstances and I want you to yell at the devil in your circumstances and I want us to say as loud as we can, I am a child of the king. You ready? One, two, three. I am a child of the king. becoming eager is to become useful Ralph Waldo Emerson said this the purpose of life is not to be happy it is to be useful to be honorable and to be compassionate to have it make some difference that you have lived life and that you have lived it well folks I am telling you today the goal is not your personal happiness and in America we are supposed to be the happiest people in the world are we? Right? And we're not. And we chase after things. And we chase after stuff. And we have these destructive mindsets. And we go after this and we go after that looking for personal happiness. And folks, you can have purpose today if you become eager to work and eager to establish the kingdom of God in your life. Lord, use me. What a beautiful thing. Pray that prayer this week. Lord, use me. And you're to be very careful when you pray that, by the way, because when we say "Lord, use me," we think God might be calling us to go to this place and do this, and to leave that, and to go after this beautiful thing that God has for my life. You know what? When God says "use," when you say "Lord, use me," right now, where I'm at, in the middle of this thicket, and these weeds, and these briars, and all these situations, Lord. Use me. Because what the Lord is going to have you do is He's going to have you start going after things. I remember me and my dad went hunting for pheasant years ago. And it was a dreary day. The pheasants weren't going anywhere. And we literally were just climbing in these thickets of here in the middle of all this stuff. And I was looking for a pheasant. And you know what? When you seek after something with all your heart, the Bible says you will find it. And when you start looking for things in the thickets and those treasures, as opposed to cursing the thickets and cursing your circumstances and saying, oh, I just wish I had a better job and I just wish I had a better marriage and better kids. Well, folks, you're not going to get any of it until you get to work on it. That's right. Amen. And giving up is not an option. You must become eager once again. And I remember climbing through that and I saw that pheasant and it was the best feeling in the world and I went... Here we go. You know, the problem was I shot the pheasant I was like five feet from it. There was no more pheasant. <laughs> Tell my dad. I'm like, Dad, I got him. And we're looking at. We're like, Was that a pheasant? <laughs> but you know, the beautiful treasure of the hunt and going after it is. You know, you can become eager once again in your life where you're at. You can. You can get eager to jump in, both hands, both feet, and go after it. You really can. See, the problem is, again, when we say, Lord, use me, we're thinking of Paradise Island over there. No. It's the weeds right now. And you're going to have to become eager again to see those weeds and to see life bloom up in that. Me and Rod were talking. Me and Rod are the flower guys here. We love flowers. We're like flower power children over here. telling Rod, we saw in the news the other day, In Death Valley right now, what's going on It happens every 10 years. But right now in Death Valley, they've got what's called a super blossom going on. And if you look at it right now, there's thousands of these yellow flowers. And in the middle of Death Valley, it's just full of beautiful flowers. And it happens every 10 years, a super blossom. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, you can have a super blossom of God's spirit if you see the things that God has for your life and you become eager to apply God's word to those things. But you're going to have to be useful once again. Because sitting around complaining ain't working. Turn to someone who say, It ain't working. working. (laughs) This is how you must approach your daily tasks. We ask this question, when am I getting out of this mess? That's all of us. When am I getting out of this mess? You might be going further in. (laughs) The most not promising verse of scripture that we blow out of context is the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and to bless you. that's our hallmark card. And then we read the scripture further and they were in Babylonian exile and they would be there for a long time. So we can get silly with these promises. And we can take them out of context. We can do whatever we want. But when we start rightly dividing the word of God, we say, well, wait a minute. What are you saying? Well, he said, listen, you better have kids. You better build houses. You better make the best of this life because you're not going anywhere. Well, my golly, I wanted the best life now. You can have the best life now. In the middle of your circumstances, you can have the best life now. When am I going to get out of this mess? Doug Sherman writes, we represent God and His interests by how we approach our tasks at work and home. And by the way we relate to people, we get the honor of joining Him in the good work God is already doing. Isn't that neat? God's already working in your home, you know that? You're just going to figure out what he's working on. Because his priorities are not your priorities. You have to line yourself up with his priorities. We wake up every morning to a king who has significant plans for us this day. Can you imagine that? A king who's got significant plans for us this day. He's got plans for us. Specific tasks for us to do that will contribute to his eternal blueprint for human history, Doug Sherman writes. The other day, it was, it was crazy. Me and my dad were coming back from a job and this lady had given us a tip and it was just one of those moments and this is how we start to get engaged in the work. I'd never done this before. I saw an army guy. He was in his full army gear and, and I just wanted to pay for his lunch. Just bless the guy. I don't do that. I, don't, I, I need my money right now. <laughs> don't have a lot of extra this, you know. So I said, hey man, thanks so much for all you do. I'm going to take care of your lunch. He's like, you don't have to do that. I'm like, no, no, no. I see my best friend. He's a, been a sniper for Afghanistan and Iran. And I said, uh, he's like, it's good to know a sniper. I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> but I said, thank you. He's like, what do you do? I said, well, I pastor, and then I have a window cleaning business. I just got to talk to the guy and just bless him. And I, and I say all that to say, when you start to look at the specific tasks of your day, you think about the unplanned encounters, you think about the whatever ends up happening In your day, and the opportunity for you to start engaging once again and look outside of the box of your own little world, you can become eager to work. That's work. It's fun work. That's how Paul says, count it all, joy. How did he he use that verbiage there in the middle of struggles and stuff? Because there's opportunity in the thickets of life. How do you represent God right now to your spouse and to your kids and people at work? How do you represent God? Do you look like a person who's eager to jump into the problems and the tasks, or do you look like a person that's like, don't look at me? (laughs) Would you be called zealous in what you're doing right now? I think often many of us are looking for the wrong answers. The self-driven Christian, Doug Sherman goes on to write, representing God is not a self-driven pursuit of character qualities, as though if life were a self-improvement course, representing God as a relationship. It's doing things together with Him. We interact with Him, listening to His voice and following His lead. We don't invent our own assignments and do whatever we want to do. Rather, as in military, we seek direction from our superior and we carry out the direction while trusting Him for strength and ability we need. See, we don't just invent what we want to do today. We don't get to do that. We don't just say, well, I want to do this today. God's not asking you to do that today. God might be asking you to do something completely different. I love how he says, we don't invent our own assignments or do whatever we want. You know, I think about our house, and I had, we had intercessors praying for 24-7 around the day so me and Ann could move. I really wanted to move. And then you kind of look at your own assignments and what God wants you to do. Maybe God had me and Ann there and has us there for the neighbors next to us. Maybe think outside the box for a moment. I think about opportunities that we have. I think of our neighbors and how special they are to us and where they are at in the context of life. And maybe your neighbors need you, folks. Maybe with work, maybe your work needs you. Maybe your family, as ugly as it is right now, maybe your family needs you. Turn to someone who would say, they need you. I want us to, to do something, is to ask God to elevate our vision for what we're doing right now. Maybe right now, our vision's so low, our expectations are so low of the situation. Why don't you close your eyes for a moment? I want you to ask God to elevate your vision for the Bible. Maybe your expectations for the Bible have been really shallow. Well, if you don't expect much out of it, you're not going to read it, right? You know, if you don't expect much out of church, you're not going to go to church too often. Don't expect much from God. You're not going to engage God too much. I believe that we really need God to elevate our vision and our understanding so that we can allow His Word to change who we are. If we can have the the men come forward, our leaders, to uh, pass out the communion and every eye closed. I never ever want to leave an opportunity left unasked. But maybe today you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You don't have fellowship with Him and you don't know Him as your friend. And the power of the cross maybe is speaking to you today and you say, you know what? I need Jesus Christ in my life, in my heart. Jesus does offer forgiveness. And much more than just forgiveness and much more than paying a debt. But He gives you a friendship. He is with you forever. He gives you the guarantee of heaven and eternity and a blessing of that. But He signs, He seals and delivers you. And today you want to know Jesus Christ for your life and to have Him as your friend. Why don't you raise your hand today? I want to pray with you. If anybody here doesn't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The second part is we're passing out the communion. We're taking the bread and the wine. The bread representing his body. and This wine representing his blood. I want you to think about your life and your relationship with him and the friendship that He's established with you. He said to do this in remembrance of me, to never forget. And Maybe it is a recommitment, and you've got to solidify some things and take seriously and become a worker, diligent according to the Word of God. And You've been diligent about a lot of other things, and maybe you have some good habits here, good habits there, but spiritually speaking, God is speaking. You say, I need you to be diligent about my Word again. I need you to take my word seriously. Maybe God's calling you today with every head bowed and every eye closed. You say, you know what? God's speaking to me to become a workman of Scripture. All of us need to become better at it. I, I'm not, But you specifically are really called where God is speaking to you in that. And God's calling you out for that. I want you to raise your hand today so we can pray together. If that's you, why don't you raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God's calling you to be a workman. Why don't we all pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus. Jesus, I thank you. you For giving me your word. word. As my guidepost. guidepost. To lead me. me. To take me. me Where I need to go. I'm going to trust in your word. word. And I'm going to apply myself to it. To reading it. To making some some good habits. I thank you Holy Spirit. Forgive me the strength. This is something I can't do in my own strength. I need you to help me. Speak to me as I read your word. Lead me and guide me into all truth. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can take your bread and juice Get that ready. You want us to celebrate Christ's power, His grace, His love. You think about all those qualities and you think about how no matter what we've been through, no matter what we've done, Christ is always there. He is all sufficient. Why don't we just take a few moments just to recollect the power of the cross for our life, no matter how nasty our scenario is, that Jesus is right there, that he is standing at the door of every Christian's heart saying, let me in. Jesus said to his disciples, this is my body, which has been broken for you. Take any, shall we partake? I'm raising the cup, blood this wine represents my blood, which I shed for you, which has been poured out. Shall we partake Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your willingness and your eagerness to jump into our lives. For your willingness and your eagerness to forgive us. For your willingness and your eagerness to love us and to care for us. That you never sleep and you never slumber, that you never take a break on us. God, thank you for today for that. Thank you for the blood in your body which is broken for us. And Lord, we take that this week and we go in this week and help us to be eager servants that we're going to jump after this, that we're going to go into this, that we're going to go deeper into Scripture and Bible study and getting around people that want to be in the Bible and getting around those, Lord Jesus, that can lead and help and guide us. Thank you for the teachers that you provide here at this church. I pray your anointing on them, Father, to give them wisdom and counsel The words to say, the words to speak, Father. We thank you for their devotion to get into the Word of God and their eagerness. And may that spill over onto us, Jesus. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you this week really, really good. Don't forget, fellas, Taco Tuesday and ladies continuing on the back more. And don't forget tonight... Uh, we're gonna be jamming here. We'll start. We'll be here at 5:30, and then uh, concert, and then it'll start at 7:15. It's not too late to ask your neighbor to come. <laughs> Amen. Love you guys. Amen. Have a great day.